better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. A full week of draft discussion. Prospect discussion is on tap. Kyle, welcome. It is officially that time of the year. We've done the preliminary watches. We've done the cross checks. We're ready for our first draft dudes mock draft, which is going to happen on Thursday night on the live stream. And uh, I, for one, cannot wait for this week. There's going to be a lot of great scouting content, a lot of our opinions. Obviously, this is uh, uh, the first look that a lot of people are going to get into a lot of our opinions on these players because uh, we have done all the back-end work. We haven't pushed the website to update to 2022 yet because we're working on some updates for the site and don't want to do anything redundant. Uh, So this is kind of a cool little reveal of a lot of our opinions that a lot of the draftniks haven't had a chance to hear us talk or write about yet. Yeesh. Yeesh. So a different conference each day. We're working through the Power Five as we know them now, right? We'll save all that, but... uh, Today will be about the ACC, and I handle the ACC for the Draft Network in terms of that being part of my region. And so what I am going to unveil here today are my top 10 prospects in the ACC entering the 2021 season. So I'll call it a timeout. Timeout, timeout, timeout. I want to know the grade distribution that you've got on these guys entering into the season. Let's be completely fair. There's a lot of process left. These grades can change. Yeah. Do you have a lot of first round guys? You know, how oh. deep does <laughs> how, how deep into the grades do you get for the guy who comes in at number 10? Yeah. Uh, I think that's an interesting way to look at each conference because we're doing it this way throughout the course of this week. So my, you'll get two first-round grades out of me today. And my, the lowest player, number 10, he's a three. So we have all a day true two. Three. No, he's a three slash four. But oh, okay. Lean, See, a yeah. lean three, though, <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> okay. So we, we're talking all day two type players. And I'll, I'll dump a bunch of names at the end that I think have a chance to be like early day three and I mean, obviously, there, there's a lot of potential risers. And- yeah, there's a lot. It's fluid, right? It, it, the goal isn't to have it right today. We've obviously done a lot of work on these players, but what really matters is the end. And this is introductory type stuff. This is the way we know these players as of now. And there's a lot of opportunity for these players to grow and improve and, and enter different realms of the draft spear. Shuby has a finger pointed. I would just like to ask you guys a question before we start the series here for the week, because there's not going to be a whole lot coming from me. This is what you guys do. You guys scout all the players that you guys talk about them. But my question here for you guys is this is not the first year that you've done this process, and this is not the first time that you're doing this. So I have to ask, and I know players are different, right? No two players are ever the same, Mm -hmm. but does it make the process, does it make you more comfortable in this process doing it after you've done it for a while, that you feel more confident 
giving out a certain grade for a player because you've been through the process. You know what the evolution cycle looks like. Again, no two players are going to be the same, but because you've done it before, does it make you feel better, more comfortable when you get to summer scouting? And you're like, okay, I'm going to give this guy a two and I'm not going to really feel bad about it because I know I trust the process. Joe? Yeah, I I think experience in doing this helps a lot. Um, But I do think it's a different lens that you watch a player through during summer scouting than you do for, all right, this is all the film I'm getting on this player. And so those two lenses give you different different valuations on things. And, and just knowing that players do have this entire op- season in front of them to define their film resume. So I do think I tend to be a little bit more gracious and hopeful in summer. But then once it's done, all right, you are what you are. And we go from there. Yeah, I think there's um, it's a little bit more optimism in the summer watch because you can see the traits. And if you're willing, if you've seen similar mm-hmm. types of strengths and weaknesses that go on to develop and take a certain kind of leap and, you kind of assess that player's situation and, and get to know their background a little bit more as far as what their playing experience has been. How long they've been at this position? Were they defensive tackle that converted over to the offensive line? Like all those things, it's it's a lot easier to talk yourself into, well, yeah, this is a one-for-one projection for what I watched from last year to the experience and the level of competition that he's going to get. This year, as compared to if you get to the end of the road with uh, a prospect and and he's put out all the film he's ever going to get and you still have those same questions, it's like, well, I don't know that he's going to do it and he has to go up to the professional level and make that jump now. So I think that at its core is why it's a little easier to plant your flag in the ground for some guys during the summer, knowing that it's a fluid process. And as long as your process is good, I will say this, doing this process year over year uh, has only kind of reinforced being comfortable in my own skin as an evaluator to know that like I've learned lessons the hard way. I've gotten lucky into being right on evaluations early. And um, I've also learn some lessons by viewing players and, and picking up on critical things that do make a difference. So it, it's kind of a combination of all those things. And um, it makes, I enjoy this bit of the process every bit as much as I do the actual draft process in the spring, because this is just about evaluating traits and trying to project them moving forward. There's less of the, uh, BS and smokescreen season and the NFL combine and athletic testing narratives that are formed and all that. So it's definitely a a different flavor of the same game, uh, but one that's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more truly rooted into the film and the X's and O's. And uh, this, this year was a blast with our group. Shall we? We shall. All right. The ACC. Here we go. Number 10. Zion Nelson, offensive tackle from Miami, six foot five, 316 pounds. Guy became a starting left tackle for the Miami Hurricanes as a true freshman after only weighing 240 pounds in spring of 2019. He got big fast. 
And it's interesting because his only real opportunity coming out of high school was Appalachian State. Miami comes in late. And before you know it, this guy's a starting left tackle in the ACC. And so I think his tape has been uneven, but the traits are quite evident. And so my 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 high-level pitch on Zion Nelson right now is Zion Nelson has transformed his body and earned a starting role as a left tackle as a true freshman where his length and foot quickness stand out, but he needs to get significantly stronger and grow technically. So for me, Zion is very much a projection at this point. You like the length. You like the foot speed. You like just the overall athletic profile and size. I'm counting on him becoming more coordinated and being able to be more comfortable with that additional size and weight that he's gained to allow those traits, those ex- really interesting traits, to turn into better technique and and more consistency with the way he plays. So I think he has a chance to be a big-time riser, but right now I still need to see it out of Zion Nelson. I understand we're trying to stay on schedule here, Joe, but I just wanted to ask if you remember slash liked the comp that I dropped for Zion Nelson in our staff meetings. I That was one that I wasn't on. I, oh, you, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so this I is perfect. This is going to be an organic reaction for you then. Were it, you at ACC be. Media Days for that one, I think? Yeah, I think you did it this past week while yeah. I was at the ACC yeah. kickoff. Yeah. Uh, Austin Jackson. Yeah, that is a really good one. And, and you actually – that was on Friday. So that, <laughs> I did hear it. Uh, on the yeah, wow. so you know, look, nice to know it um, really stuck um, with you. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but yes, I do like that a lot. I think I think that paints the I think right it paints picture. a good picture. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, number nine, we have Ikem Ekwanu. He's a left tackle for NC State. I think he's an interior offensive lineman in the NFL. A junior, six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds. And another one of those earned a starting left tackle role as a true freshman in 2019. The last two seasons, he's won NC State's Jim Richter Award for top offensive lineman. And this guy is a really powerful man that wins with power and is one of the better run blockers that I've evaluated this summer. So my my elevator pitch on Equanu is... Ikem Ekwanu is a powerful blocker that consistently resets the line of scrimmage and features tremendous length with good mobility, but needs to become more coordinated overall and develop his footwork in pass protection. I get a lot less concerned about Ekwanu if you tell me he's going to play guard for you, where he can handle the action a little bit quicker, not have to play as much on an island, and allow that size and, and strength to really take over as opposed to having a little, more, a little bit more stress on his ability to work laterally and stay square. So I think you've got a really nice starting caliber interior offensive lineman for a gap power scheme. I'd get nervous if you were to keep him at left tackle unless it's one of those offenses like the Baltimore Ravens or what I think Miami wants to do with their offensive line. So a bit of a scheme-specific guy, but I think a, a high-caliber projection to a starting role in that type of a run power scheme. At number eight, this is this is a player I like, and he's a transfer. Tyreek Stevenson, cornerback, University of Miami, six foot, two hundred fourteen pounds, and he's a Miami native that originally went to Georgia. Spent twenty nineteen and twenty twenty at Georgia, 
then transferred back over to Miami. And this was a big-time high school recruit. And he had good tape at Georgia. And it's interesting, at six foot two fourteen, he played a lot of slot corner for Georgia and, and some in the safety where you know he'd play some deep third-type stuff for them in the middle of the field. They roll him back. And I think his objective with going to Miami is to be able to play more of a traditional outside corner. And I like that for him because his size projection tells me that that's a better fit for him. But man, he had good tape as this kind of versatile defensive back hybrid slot safety type player at Georgia. So here's my my elevator pitch on him. Tyreek Stevenson thrived in a versatile role for Georgia where his range and zone coverage, physicality, and anticipatory skills shine. With that said, he transferred to Miami because he wants to be a traditional outside corner. So that transition will be something to monitor. While he's a good athlete, I want to see him uh, play, be a little bit more consistent in a zone scheme at the next level where the best parts of his game will be mostly on display. Love him with his eyes in the backfield, working into throwing lanes, driving on routes, driving on the football, driving forward as a tackler. I like him as a blitzer. So I want this guy playing forward. Give me, give me him in a, in a zone-type scheme, although athletically I think he could play some man coverage. I just feel like those best moments are when he can cue the backfield and play downhill. I have a question. Yeah. How does he compare to Trill Williams out of Syracuse? Um yes. Yeah, I think I think I think a very similar a very similar type player that I watched. The, mm-hmm. You know, the Trill at Syracuse to the Tyreek at at Georgia. It's interesting because Trill played outside corner his first year in Syracuse. It was really good there. And then he played inside and I thought he was really good there too. For some reason he didn't get drafted. I think he's going to make the Dolphins. But um, yeah, I think in terms of understanding the type of player and even some body type similarities there, I think that's a good one, Kyle. That's always my favorite when I hear a descriptor for a player and my mind goes to a certain place and it just means you did a great job or whoever is presenting the player did a great job in detailing the finer points of who that player is on the field. Thank you. Next player I want to get to. This is a guy that I've been on for a couple of years now. Linebacker Amari Gaynor out of Florida State, a redshirt junior, 6'3", 232 pounds, won the team's Bobby Bowden Leadership Award in 2020. His, uh, his dad played receiver at Florida State. And um, this guy, man, he just he just is long and athletic. As Dre Harris would say, he looks sexy on the field, you know? And, and he played <laughs> man. You can see this guy bounce around and cover ground. And I really like a lot about this player. And, and I thought he played I, – I pounded the table pretty hard for him last summer, and I thought he played pretty well. Um, and, and so I'm anxious to see him – in year two of Aaron Fuller's system or Adam Fuller's system. So my, my high-level pitch on Gainer is Amari Gainer is a long, rangy, and athletic linebacker that shines in coverage and playing in space, but needs to become a more consistent player in the box from both a processing perspective and taking on contact. So I don't think he's a Mike, but as a will, weak side pursuit style linebacker that you use as a matchup type guy, um, man, I think he can do a lot in terms of what you're looking for in a modern-day NFL linebacker. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. Kyle, so many good flavors. Coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream. I had an orange Bilt Bar 
this morning. I, I oh, look at that. He's even waving the wrapper. I am. Faces Nobody can see you guys it. can't see it, but there take it our word for it. Take true product placement here on the show. Yeah, right. Um, so look, there's a lot of flavors. Maybe you don't know where to start. Try a mixed box where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. And these things are delicious, but they're also good for you. Check out the macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. If you want to try Built Bar, we got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, number six, I have Storm Duck, cornerback, North Carolina. Tell you what, North Carolina's got some nice name. It is, and he's a good football player. They have that. Uh, he's not eligible, but they have Grimes, Tony Grimes, who's, uh, like I said, not eligible, but he's a good player. Kyler McMurray. They got a couple of nice, or a trio of nice corners in North Carolina this year. Only a redshirt sophomore is Storm Duck, six foot two oh five, and um, he missed ten games last year uh, due to an undisclosed lower body injury. But um, you you see the two games he did play last year. You watch his 2019 film, and you feel like you're watching a starting NFL cornerback. Um, I have this name written down because just really reminiscent to me in terms of watching them on tape. If you remember Michael Ojemudie from Iowa, this this player is nice. Yeah, good player and Storm Duck, similar type skill set in, in, in college tape to this point. So here's my my liner here on Storm Duck. I said. Storm Duck earned playing time and a starting role as a true freshman at UNC and has performed well. He's smart in coverage and does well to crowd routes early, stay leveraged, and take throws off the menu. He's a smart and instinctive player in zone coverage. When it comes to areas of growth, Duck can improve his tackling technique, and he can be late to find the football with his back to the line of scrimmage. He only played in two games in 2020 due to an undisclosed lower body injury. So a guy that I I definitely like more when he could stay leveraged in zone coverage and not really put his back to the line of scrimmage as much because I do think he has some issues finding the football. But when this guy can cue the backfield, yeah, he he's a really nice player, very smart, squeezes routes, anticipates well, and uh, I'm anxious to see him with a little bit more time and experience in the system. All right, we're at uh, number five here. Another good football player. Jermaine Waller. I got a lot of corners, Kyle. What can I say? It's a good year for corners. And Jermaine Waller, a cornerback from Virginia Tech, a junior, 6'1", 180 pounds. Um, this is a, there's a lot of parallels to him and, and Caleb Farley. Uh, both of them missed 2020 for the most part. Uh, starred together in 2019. Waller was a uh, quarterback in high school, and then he eventually moved to defensive back. And, um, you know, you're really going back to this 2019 tape and, and seeing a really outstanding football player, long, rangy, a guy that I think is uh, scheme versatile. You could play him in uh, man and zone. So here's my liner on Jermaine Waller. I said, Jermaine Waller offers an intriguing blend of length, range, speed, ball skills, and coverage versatility. He was terrific in 2019 playing opposite of Caleb Farley. Unfortunately, his 2020 campaign was delayed due to an offseason foot injury that forced him to miss the first two games of the season. And then when he came back, he injured his arm and that cost him all but one of the final games on the schedule. If he comes back to form and builds on his 2019 season, this is going to be a big-time riser, and there is a lot of appeal here. So let's check this guy out. Jermaine Waller, corner from Virginia Tech. 
is the next guy corner. <laughs> no, but I, I've got another corner on the oh, list coming Lordy, up here. Lordy. Okay, I'm ready for ready for a not corner though. Then change it, it is up a not corner a perimeter player on the offense. Another hokey. At number four, we have Trey Turner, wide receiver from Virginia Tech, a senior, 6'2", 187. His brother is P.J. Harrison, um, former first-round pick of the Charlotte Hornets, and um, had a big-time basketball career in high school in addition to football. Man, I really liked what I saw from Turner. I, I had, You know I'd been looking for a good receiver in the ACC, and I like the Clemson players, but they have a lot to prove. And I finally found Turner, and he's actually my top-rated receiver in the ACC entering the season. Here's my liner on him. Trey Turner is a versatile receiver with the ability to win down the field, attack the intermediate areas of the field, and create with the ball in his hands. He has good length, natural hands, and excellent body control. Turner is long and lean, which does create some challenge for him, and he will need to diversify his route tree at the next level, but he has the makings of a versatile number two or three option in the NFL in terms of a passing offense. Yes, uh, to clean up his fumbling problem. That's something that he's got to work on, and he does have that long and lean stature. But, man, this guy's got great body control, really good hands. And I think while he does run a limited route tree, the routes that he does run, they're deceptive. They're consistent. consistent. I like his pace. I like how he gets in and out of breaks. I like the deceptiveness. I think there's a really nice package here, and hopefully with their quarterback situation figured out, He'll be on the same page and have a really productive 2021 season. At number three, here's one you know, Kyle. You, I know you cross-checked this guy. Zion Johnson, offensive lineman too from low. Boston College. He's I got too a number low. three. I, wait till you see the next two guys on the list. I can't have them ahead of these two guys. So Zion Johnson, uh, good player. really good football player, especially at guard where he is going back to this season. Kicked out the left tackle last year. And look, I thought he held his own, but he just wasn't nearly as comfortable as you saw back in 2019 at guard. And so we're getting back to guard this year. Fun story with this guy. Played two seasons at Davidson, which is a local college here in the Charlotte area. And then he transferred to Boston College. There's no scholarships, no athletic scholarships at Davidson. So he leveled up in a big-time way, went to Boston College, very quickly became uh, a starting offensive lineman for BC on a good offensive line. He actually was a senior bowl invite in 2020, went back to school. Uh, so here's my my notes on him. <laughs> and it's a pretty short note here, but Zion Johnson profiles as a quality starter in the NFL at guard, but I have doubts about him at tackle. And so uh, as the season or the summer went along and we found out that Zion's going to play guard, I got more and more excited about his projection to the next level. He gets after people, stays square, good on the move, really stout anchor, Um at guard, I just don't have a whole lot of questions. I think he's a plug-and-play starter that can be an impact-type player on the interior offensive line. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, the top two prospects in the ACC entering the season. Oh, uh, you do have another corner here, but not yet. 
Oh, I don't think it's yet. No, you're right. It's not yet. Yep. It's not yet. Coming in at number two, quarterback Sam Howell out of North Carolina, a junior, 6'1", 225. I don't want to go too deep here because we literally did probably a good 15 minutes on him a couple weeks ago. So if right. you missed our introductory Sam Howell conversation, please go back and listen where we really, we really broke him down. So here's my liner on him. Sam Howell is an accurate quarterback with enough mobility, but plays in an offense that features binary reads and static alignments while his overall package of physical traits is modest. Right now, I see him as the type of quarterback that can keep an offense on schedule, good accuracy down the field, enough twitch in the pocket to make people move, miss and, and kind of keep you know plays alive. But I'm not sure that he's going to be a difference maker type quarterback. I can see somebody picking him in the first round taking a chance on him in the right offense. I think he can excel, but I think I don't know that the things that I'm concerned about with Sam are going to be answered this year because the offense that he plays in, it was funny at ACC media day, Mac Brown said, Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator had uh, an interview this off season. And he thought to himself, well, with the new NIL stuff, I'll just pay Sam Owl to be the offensive coordinator. We'll save a few bucks. <laughs> so, you know, I, look, I think he's got the offense down, but I don't know that that's, overly exciting because it's such a static binary type offense. Um, again, the accuracy, the mobility in the pocket, it's interesting. I just don't know that I see this as a type of quarterback that's going to be uh, an absolute bonafide franchise quarterback. You win games every week because Sam Howell is your quarterback. Interesting. Maybe he can get there. Good enough to be number two on this list. Good enough to interest me as a potential first round pick, but I want to see more. And at number one, Andrew Booth, cornerback, Clemson, junior, six foot, 195 pounds, five-star recruit out of Atlanta. And here's the thing. I know this guy's only played 401 snaps to this point. I'm just not sure you could have done more in 401 snaps in terms of the coverage instincts, the physicality, the ball skills, the competitive toughness. Like the entire package is there. The only question I have is, all right, do it for longer. Do it as the primary starter for the entire season. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind this is the type of uh, corner that can be a top half of the first-round guy. So if if you're concerned about the sample size and you want to see more, all right, I get it. But I don't think he could have shown more across 401 snaps to this point. Really, really outstanding football player in my mind. And here's my, here's my liner just to stay consistent. Andrew Booth has the makings of an elite corner prospect with his blend of size, athleticism, physicality, ball skills, and competitive spirit, but enters 2021 with only four career starts and 401 total snaps played. I think that's the perfect testament to what we said at the top in response to Chris, talking about being a little bit more liberal with the grades and a little bit more enthusiastic. And Andrew Booth has 400 and something snaps in his career for Clemson defensively. So that small of a sample size typically isn't good enough to get you the number one overall spot in the ACC <laughs> amongst prospects. But at the same time, it's it's looking at what he's physically capable of doing, uh, what he showed in the limited looks that we got at him thus far in his career. And uh, I can concur, it is extremely easy to get excited about what Andrew Booth has the potential to become. Let me dump a few names real quick here as we close things out. Um, those are my 10 
highest rated prospects in the ACC entering the season. And obviously there's a lot more that are worth your attention. So if you'll indulge me for just a quick second, I want to give you some names here that you can jot down. And as you watch ACC football this year, you can pay attention to as guys that I think have a chance to be top 100 type players. And some of these guys could really vault up and be even higher than that. But these players also deserve your attention, but we're not going to do like a deep dive on them. So these are actually in no particular order. Zonovan Knight, running back from NC Coward. State. No particular James order. Mitchell, tight end, Virginia <laughs> Tech. He's a nice player. I'll tell you, this guy makes a place. Justin Ross, wide receiver, Clemson. Grant Gibson, interior offensive lineman from NC State. Xavier Thomas, edge from Clemson. Will Mallory, tight end, Miami. Kyle likes this guy. Alec Lindstrom, interior offensive lineman, Boston College. Jordan McFadden, he's a tackle from Clemson. I think he'll be a guard in the NFL. Uh, Tyler Vrabel, he's actually Mike Vrabel's son. He's a right tackle at Boston College. Two Clemson receivers, Joseph Nada and Frank Ladson. Jaquari Roberson, wide receiver from Wake Forest. Bubba Bolden, safety Miami. Three more, DeAndre Johnson, edge Miami. Jermaine Johnson, edge Florida State. And Trey Berry, a transfer tight end to Boston College from Jacksonville State. I think he's going to have a big year in that offense. Now, you all right? You need a glass of water? Man, I've been trying to sneak sips in. That was like the most talking I think I've ever done on on a draft. On an episode episode. of Draft Dudes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe Battle of the Boards when we go 75 minutes, but (laughs) a 30-minute show, man, I guess this is good primer for what I got coming tomorrow. So you get to rest your voice tomorrow for the most part. Uh, But there you have it. There's your early look at the most prominent names to know across the ACC for the 2021 college football season, 2022 NFL draft cycle. Joe, thanks for the deep dive. Thanks for the rundown. We uh, appreciate your Herculean effort today on the show and uh, really appreciate you uncovering some uh, top notch prospects for me to cross check so that I'm not digging through kissing a bunch of frogs, trying to find some princes along the way in my own studies of the ACC during our cross-check windows. So uh, this is uh, our process in action, and we've now reached the end of that initial getting-to-know-you phase, which means we've got plenty more conferences coming this week. We've got four more Power 5 conferences. We've got four more coming up the next four days. Yours truly with the Big Ten on Tuesday, and then the SEC on Wednesday. So that's the next couple of days here on uh, the Draft Dudes podcast. You're going to want to make sure you hit subscribe, follow along. We have the live stream tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel. We hope you join us. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino and Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.